Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. It has been wisely stated that if we don't crucify the flesh, the flesh will crucify Christ right out of our lives. Let's talk about the cross, saints, the needed saturation in the message of the cross so that it becomes a regular part of our daily lives. The cross is something that counterfeits intentionally evade or stay away from. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly and they glory in that which they should be ashamed of. They mind earthly things and every one of us has that old man, as the Bible calls it, that we're to put off. The only way to put off the old man is by the crucified life every day. Let me just say this, saints, there's no such thing as walking with Jesus outside of walking with him in the crucified life. Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, you must. It's not a suggestion. It's a non-negotiable mandate. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Let me say two things here. Number one, anybody that is not preaching on a regular basis, the crucified life, the cross, is preaching another gospel. And also the fact that such a man that is not preaching the crucified life, which is the message of Christ and his holy apostles, is absolutely not taking it up himself. His God is his belly or his carnal appetite. According to Jesus, the only people who are truly following him are those who are doing it his way, Luke 9, 23 and 24, etc. And all others are going to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You are a worker of lawlessness. You didn't give up your will and allow his will to be done in your life as Jesus prayed himself while he was on earth. And recorded in Luke 22, he cried to the Father, Lord, not my will, Father, but thine be done. Amen. Oswald Chambers says, if sin rules in me, God's life in me will be killed. If God rules in me, sin in me will be killed. Unquote. That goes back to our initial quote that either we're going to crucify the flesh or the flesh is going to crucify Christ right out of our lives. Now, remember, saints, God is holy, holy, holy. He gave us the cross prescription and all sin can and will be overcome in the lives of every true disciple of Jesus because they're going to lay down their life. They're going to make acknowledgement of their sin cry out to God and get back on the cross, if you will, to be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, but not us, but Christ that lives in us. And we live by the faith of the Son of God. And once he saves us, 
We are to, and that's exactly what water baptism represents. We go down under, we're dead, we die with Christ, and we're buried and raised up when we come up out of the water with Christ in the newness of life. We are crucified with Christ today, saints, right now. Christ alone is reigning supreme in us, raising us up and upward out of that death and burial posture in Jesus' name, the old man, as the Bible calls it in Colossians chapter 3, and also the fourth chapter of Ephesians, the old man is dead and buried, and Christ now lives and reigns in resurrection power in and through our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul writes this, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Notice it's a, a perpetual thing, always. Now let me stop and say this. Somebody listening might be saying, wait a minute, I've seen this in the Bible, but no, I, I've never even heard this preached. And regrettably, saints, we're in the day of the last the last generation we live in where the Bible says evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. These are crossless counterfeits who are not preaching the original gospel of you, which at the heart of the original gospel is the crucified Christ and his blood. And then it's also 1A, if you will. Number one is Christ crucified to bring us back to the Father, to wash away all our sins, to give us a relationship with the Father who is holy, holy, holy. And 1A is what? You are commanded and mandated. It's not a suggestion. Again, it's a divine command to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow him. To be crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, 20, and Romans chapter 6. And by the way, what is the cross? Somebody just asked me that earlier today. I get that question all the time. And my encouragement to this person was to ask the Lord. And then I gave her a battery of scripture and the daily cross category on safecalledyoursoul.com. And pointed her the way of studying the Bible and what God says about the cross and asking God to define what is the cross, Lord. You commanded us to take it up. You know, God has to show you, folks, this message, if it does nothing else but catapult you and spring you forth into a deeper searching of what this cross is, it's done its work. So Paul says we're always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. And why is that? That the life also, I love that word that, it's kind of a pivotal word, isn't it? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Notice when we bear the cross, we deny it's pretty much just means surrender. Okay, Lord, today it's not my will, but yours be done, Jesus. You must increase, Lord Jesus, but I must decrease. Praise God. When you start tasting and seeing that the Lord is good in this cross message, you're going to start dancing. It might be in private, but let me tell you, you're going to start dancing. And you're going to say, this is serendipity. This is the opposite of what I thought I needed. And yet it was divinely the exact thing that I needed so that Christ might reign in me. Now, do you, do you think for a minute that you're going to be living in sin and under the domination of that temptation and that iniquity if Christ is reigning in you? 
No, not at all. Because when Christ is reigning in you, sin cannot simultaneously have any place in your life. In fact, 1 John 3, 5 and 6 says, He that abideth, those that enjoy vital union with Christ, John 15, he that abideth, remember Jesus taught to abide in me and you're going to bear good fruit. That's the resurrection life of Christ coming out of that crucified life, John 15. So in 1 John 3, the same apostle who penned the gospel of John said, He that abideth in him sinneth not. 1 John 3, I believe it's 5 and 6. You can't simultaneously be abiding in Christ and living in sin. So if we have sin in our lives, something's amiss in our abiding. So why don't we today say, Lord, show me, Lord, what it means to abide in you. Teach me thy way, Jesus. Teach me your way. Have your way in me, O God. Are you willing to pray something like that today? He's going to hear it, friend, and he's going to answer, and he's going to teach you his way. And his way in the divine economy is going to be unchangingly as a staple, as a foundational truth, The cross, the cross economy is the divine economy. The divine economy is a cross economy where God liquidates you and fills you up with himself. In fact, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, God salvages the individual by liquidating him and then raising him again to newness of life. God salvages the individual by liquidating him and then raising him again to newness of life. So many times we're hearing messages about what the will of God is and even somewhat, and if not all the way, from the scriptures. But yet, how is that going to come about if we're not foundationally walking in this cross life where Christ is reigning in us? It's not. It's just simply not. The cross is the power generator of the life of the disciple of Christ. It's an absolute constant from the Lord's throne, and it's not going away, saints. The Bible says Jesus said heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will never pass away. And pass away in that context, and definitionally, is be renovated. The earth's going to be renovated by fire, Second Peter 3, but the word of God is not going to be diminished one iota, Deuteronomy 4, 2. We're not to diminish aught from it. And anybody who's not preaching the cross of Christ and his absolute mandate that if you're going to follow him, you've got to lay down your life and let him reign. That's the cross. The cross is not trying harder. It's dying deeper or just surrendering, saying, Lord, Not my will, but yours be done. You must increase, but I must decrease. I am crucified with Christ, Lord. I let go and I let you take over this life that you created for your glory. People ask what the cross is. That's full of scripture, what I just stated right there. And you're going to find that if you go through the scriptures. We've got three books on this topic. And it's only for the the cause of helping people be edified, growing in the grace of Christ and learning what he taught. One of them's called I Die Daily. Another one's called Raised Up. And another one is called 31 Cross Prayers. And Brother Jason has put those in a package deal on the bookstore at safeguardyoursoul.com. Just click store. And by the way, let me take this moment to say thank you for those who are supporting this outreach. We are going to preach the gospel. Paul said, because he was called of God to do that, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. And when I've preached, I labored more than they all. And yet not I, but the grace of Christ, the divine enablement of Christ that labored in me. First Corinthians 9, 16 and 15, 10. So thank you for doing your part. You know, Jesus and the apostles, the bulk and the goal of their ministry, the action of it was preaching and teaching 
the gospel, the word of God. That is the great commission that God gave us. God's not going to reward folks who put their money in cancer research. That's all a big scam anyway. Go into that. But listen, God sent us the body of Christ to get behind his work. In his work, the most important part of it, as is seen in the life of Christ and his apostles in their ministry, is teaching and preaching the word of God. Let the dead bury their dead. End to Luke 9, Jesus said, let the dead, let the conservatives and patriots and everybody else fund those type of movements. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. The true disciple is involved in, in one way or more, in the preaching and teaching of the word of God. End of Matthew, end of Mark. That's a non-negotiable, unchanging reality that you and I are going to give account for. Jesus went about teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, Matthew 4, 23. And that's what we're doing. And we should all be prayerfully participating in it in one way or the other. Romans 10, 14, I believe it is. How shall those that are sent go unless they are, first of all, called and helped out by others involved in the work of Christ? It's Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. The apostle says, How then shall they call on him the lost in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? In other words, those laborers Jesus told us to pray for at the end of Matthew 9. That's what he's speaking of here. And how shall they preach? There are certain people called out into full-time ministry, and the others get the blessing and opportunity to help send them. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. We all do our part. The Bible says we are laborers together with God, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 9. Yeah, and so how shall they go unless they're sent? So everybody and everything we do, each one of us in participating in the spreading of the word of God, which never returns to him void, is going to be rewarded. God's not going to reward giving to things that aren't directly associated with his, the furtherance of the gospel. Listen, saints, nobody else is going to support the work of God except the true people of God. And I think there's probably a whole lot of waste going on that we're going to give account of. And the good news is the psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. If this is speaking to you, the word of God about this, let me encourage you to go to prayer with the Lord about this today. You might even want to pause this message and do it right now and say, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart on the wisdom, your wisdom, which is your word and what you stated in your word so that I don't waste the seed you gave me in this life in Jesus name. So Paul, back to our cross message, speaks of being always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. See, we're looking for a demotion today, saints, not a promotion. You know, a lot of people like positive mental, PMA, positive mental attitude and all that. I'm not saying it's not important to be positive, but to be positively crucified with Christ and trusting in his word. In faith that what God stated in his word is the truth. Uh, we're positive about that. And it takes more than just us trying to be positive. Any old lost heathen can try to do that. But what they're doing is all propped up by the false god, the futile, weak, 
God of self instead of fueled by the grace of God raising us up. And that happens when we say every day as we awake, Lord, not my will, but yours be done today. Teach me your way, Jesus. Psalm 25, you must increase, but I must decrease. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word run rich in you, my beloved friend. And let those scriptures just roll off your tongue and out of your spirit every morning as you come before the Lord in prayer. You wake up speaking his holy name, Jesus Christ, and seeking his face. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. In fact, we can observe that the more God's word runs rich in our spirit, our soul, our mind, the richer, the more cutting and divinely blessed our praying is going to become. We are crucified with Christ today. Again, saints, Christ alone is reigning supreme in us, raising us upward out of that death and burial posture. In Jesus' name, that old man is dead and buried, and Christ now lives and reigns supremely in his resurrection power in us. The apostle continues in his absolute golden text passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12. I want you to become extremely familiar with this passage. You'll never exhaust it. It's full of divine wealth, cross wealth, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. How many people have ever had God really reigning in you and teeming, T-E-E-M-I-N-G, and just filling you up and you being used of him. How blessed is that, right? And what do we do after that happens? We want to live right there. But how does that happen? By the way, God knows we need that cross on a perpetual basis. And that's the key to having his life, the life, the resurrection life of him who is the life, just teeming and working in you and working through you and filling you. You got to be always bearing about in the body the dying. And then what's going to happen? The dying, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your body. So there's the death, burial, and resurrection, which we see throughout Scripture on every page of the Bible depicted. We see that right there. Notice always bearing about in the body the dying. There's the death and burial. And then, then we see that the life of Jesus is going to be manifested in our body. That's the resurrection. Verse 11, for we which live we're alive on the earth, are always delivered unto death. See, God will allow things to happen in your life to put you up against the wall, if you will, or put you down so low that you have only one way to look, and that's upward. And sometimes we stop and we go, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Well, the answer is because he loves you. Whom the Lord loves, he's chastening. And he's causing and allowing, as you read this whole chapter, these things are happening to us because he wants us conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 8 and 29, all things work together. All Even the bad things are good for us. They work together for the good to them that love God. You love God and you've cried out to him to save you in the past and to do his work in you. And you might have even forgot some of those prayers, but he heard those prayers and he's bringing about things and circumstances and surroundings in your life that only he can get you out of and raise you up out of. And you're going to see his mighty hand and you're never going to be the same. Because as Peter said, after that you've suffered a while through these times of suffering, 
after you, not before, but after you've suffered these things, that the God of all grace, who has called us into his what? Not only his glory, but his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you've suffered a while. And it's probably time for us to start submitting in these seasons instead of trying to hit the eject button and get out of them. They're probably going to get out of them quicker because we'll have learned what God wants us to learn in there. And what is that learning? Kind of follows the mosaic learning, if you will, about how Moses learned of God. And let me summate the way Moses learned by saying that Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. Then he spent 40 years learning he was a nobody. And then he spent 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Unquote D.L. Moody. That's an accurate observation and commentary on the life of Moses. Again, he says Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was a nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. We should take heed to that. That's John chapter 15, verse Five. So we're finishing 2 Corinthians 4 and 10 through 12. Verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Before this, this the first part of this chapter, he's talking about how we have this treasure in earth and vessels. That's Christ and his truth, etc., and his Holy Spirit in us, because we're temples of the Holy Spirit. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's verse 7. But notice in verse 5, Paul says, For we preach not ourselves, this isn't about us, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Paul and all true disciples of Jesus preach Christ, man. They don't draw attention to themselves. That's the working of the crucified life and the raised up. Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life. He raises himself up in us and glorifies himself, not us. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. We're merely your servants, man. This is all about Jesus. Then he says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that's Christ magnified in us, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Here's the external things that are going on that God allows for his glory. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted. If you're true to God, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be lied about. All manner of evil is going to be spoken against you somewhere along the line, falsely. Luke 6, persecuted, but not forsaken. These are external battering things that are going on around us as we're going on in Paul's life, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always, notice he's always putting the cross right in there. In all of these things, right, that God is allowing to conform us to Christ, Romans 8, 28, 29, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord. You got to be anchored in this cross. We got to let the cross be the anchor of our lives. Because you know, when you're going downward, Christ is going to raise you up. He's going to sustain you. He's going to show his glory and his light, the light of his truth through you by the power of the Holy Ghost, always bearing about 
in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Right in the middle of all these trials he's talking about, all these externals, all everything going to hell, if you will, around you, like a tornado, like a fire and a havoc all around you, yet you're abiding in peace. Just like when the disciples were on the ship, Jesus is resting in the bosom of the Father, taking a nap. And here comes the winds and the waves. I believe it was Mark 4. And he chided them for being of little faith. And he stood up on the bow of the boat and said, be still to the winds and the waves. And they quieted. We can be still and know that he is God, but we've got to be in this cross posture 24-7, 365. And when we begin to see this resurrection life of Christ teeming in us and shining in and through us, we're going to realize the wisdom of God like we never have before and how important it really is to just do things God's way and God's way is the cross. You're dead and buried and he's raised up. Remember Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Trust in the Lord or no other man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths and to do what? To be not wise in your own conceit. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. For we which live are always delivered unto death through these circumstances that are battering us from the outside and even things on the inside for Jesus' sake. That is, we are delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. And that seems to speak of when we're crucified with Christ, that's the death of Christ working in us. Then the life of Christ is working in and through us into other people. Again, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 4, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. And so let us be blessed today to say out loud, to pray, memorize Galatians 2.20, beginning right now. Let it be the original gospel anthem of our life from this day forward. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Once again, I want to call you to the cross cash, C-A-C-H-E, category on safeguardyoursoul.com. It's safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash daily dash cross or on the desktop version category menu. There's over 200 categories of rich biblical substance for you to grow in grace on safeguardyoursoul.com. Also, we're dropping a new podcast every morning at 5 a.m. In case you listen to podcasts, feel free to add Safeguard Your Soul. No spaces. It'll come right up on any podcast platform. So the cross becoming prayerfully and steadily more saturated in the cross message, the divine concept of the cross and its application is the only thing that brought a consistent victory over sin into this disciple's life, that's for sure. And in the divine economy, the death and burial guarantees the resurrection. If you go down, you say, Lord, I'm letting you take over. He's going to raise you up sure as you're breathing. And it's going to be immediately in a certain sense and culminating into greater and greater things. And this is how the kingdom of God works, friends. It's not going to work any other way. There's no shortcuts. And when we, his people, are dead and buried, his resurrection power is guaranteed. Nothing could stop the resurrection of Jesus when the stone 
was rolled away. Jesus was crucified and buried and a huge multi-thousand pound stone was rolled over that grave. You remember that in the end of the Gospels, but nothing, nothing could stop the resurrection that was coming and rolled that stone away. God rolled it away. And that's what's going to happen in your life. You might seem like you're trapped in a certain predicament of some kind and season, but just as God rolled away the stone that kept Jesus's physical body in that grave, he's going to roll back the stone that seems to be insurmountable in your life as his resurrection power bursts forth in that suddenly hour. But what you've got to do in this time is you've got to worship God no matter what. And say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to present myself, my body, a living sacrifice unto him, which is my reasonable service during this season. And I'm going to let him raise me up in the timing that he's ordained. Nothing can stop that resurrection power of Christ that's working in his saints as they lay down their lives in this fleeting world. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So we can know when we are getting real with God, saints, repenting, and he's causing us to be true to him, to be his authentic disciples, when we begin departing from the ear-tickling storytellers, fable peddlers, and instead migrating, gravitating to those who speak the laser-edge, raw truth of God's Word, we can then know that we are beginning to truly mature in that we are enduring or holding ourselves accountable to sound doctrine. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 4 speaks of preaching the Word and being instant in season and out of season, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they'll be turned away from the truth and be turned unto fables. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, Ephesians 6, 17. The Word of God is what? Quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, right? Hebrews 4, 12. David said this, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts or your word. That's another word for word that we see in Psalm 119. There are many words for the word of God there. And one of them is precepts. I am a companion. David, the man after God's own heart, made friends with and became close with only those that fear God. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. In other words, those who fear God will always obey his word. They live by his word. His written word is the final divine authority of their life and nothing else. Somebody has wisely said that if you show me a man's friends, I will show you exactly who that man is. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, and it says this, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. We're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So when we start to 
migrate toward those. You see, when you're a new Christian and maybe somebody listening is not yet familiar with this biblical cross message, and yet we should understand that there are things in us that God wants to eradicate from us, you know, the darkness that has produced all the doubt, the shame, the guilt, and every other evil thing, because the Bible says, fear hath torment, First. John 4.18, but only uh, perfect love, being made perfect in love with God, his love interpenetrating us and driving it out and eradicating all fear. That's the only way that that's going to be eradicated from your life. Remember, we read in 1 Peter 5.10 that after we suffer a little while, we didn't finish the verse, God's going to make us perfect or mature, made perfect in his love. 1 John speaks about this is 1 Peter 5.10. Are we going to become established? strengthened and settled as four things that happen when we worship God through hard trials and temptations and seasons. Remember, seasons always come to pass. If you're in a a real testing season right now, beloved, please know by the word of God and your brother here in Christ, a mere servant, a fool, that those seasons aren't going to be forever. There's going to be a resurrection out of that season, but God wants to find us faithful in that season. He wants us to be like Job and say, Lord, though you slay me in this season, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I love you, Jesus, no matter what. Just like the Hebrew children in Daniel 3, they said, man, throw us in, man. We're going to worship God no matter what, whether he lets us burn or and go to be with him right away or not. We're going to worship him. Draw a line in the sand and say, Lord, you said he that is not with me is against me. I'm not going to be against you. I want to be with you, Jesus. After that, you've suffered a while. God is going to what? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. There's certain things in us. We're all born in sin and of the sinful nature that will not, absolutely will not be driven out of us, but by force, the force of the trial. Remember in child training, and this goes for God's child training in us, because whom the Lord loves, he chastens, right? Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It says foolishness is bound, it's trapped in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. See, when God corrects you, when he circumcises your heart, when he causes you to go through times of chastening or child training, when he beats that hind end through the circumstances around you that he's allowed, it's going to drive rebellion out of our hearts. And that's going to bring a peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And he's come to bring peace between God and men and also peace in us. And the only way that's going to happen is as the God of all grace, as we read right here in 1 Peter 5.10, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after he's allowed us to suffer a while, notice after, not before, but after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. You're going to be sound in heart and mind. The Bible speaks of the sound heart and the sound mind. He's going to make you perfect or matured, established in him, strengthened in him, and settle in him. 1 Peter 5.10. Remember when the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fire. What's the only thing that got burned off? It goes into specifics there in Daniel 3 and maybe 4. When they came out of that fire, it says not even one hair of their body was singed. But what is it that was burned away? It was the ropes that had bound them. See, the things that hold you in bondage today as you go through these fiery trials, as 1 Peter speaks of, are going to be burned off. You're going to be set free more and more. 
as you adhere to the truth of God during those trials and keep worshiping him. Perhaps today God is calling you to have a little praise festival, to throw your hands up and give him glory, to thank him for everything that he's done for you and everything he's provided and just glorify his holy name and declare with Job, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I give you praise afresh right now, Lord. I return unto thee, O God, and ask you to do your circumcising work in my heart. Bless me to be crucified with Christ so that you're reigning in me. Let me be blessed to decrease. You must increase, but I must decrease. And Lord, I know if you fill me with your spirit afresh right now, you're going to enable the decrease in me so that you're increasing in me and your life is teeming in me and through me. Use me, Jesus. Do your deeper work in me today. We love you, Jesus. So as we come in for a landing here, you know, when we become honest and sincere with God, Jesus becomes everything to us. And it's not just being a part of some church club or something. And, you know, church attendance, that might have its part. But, you know, the more you get in the word and start obeying God, the more the truth's going to make you free. And the less, I believe, you're going to have in common with the modern apostate church world that meets in buildings on Sunday morning. You're going to want Jesus 24-7. You're going to walk with him every day, all day without any intermittency, if you will. So that's when Jesus is becoming real to us. When we get honest, we have friends around us. We don't surround ourselves with the ear-tickling wolves anymore because we're beginning now to endure sound doctrine, which means simply that we're holding ourselves accountable to the doctrine, the sound doctrine of the Word of God, the King James Bible. Those are earmarked fruits of somebody who's getting honest. They're gravitating toward the raw truth of God, and therefore those who are companions of the Lord, who fear the Lord, and they love His Word, they're dwelling richly in it. Psalm 119, verse 63, Colossians 3.16, etc. So that's when we're becoming honest, when we are asking and allowing the Lord to circumcise our hearts, that we might be crucified with Christ and become valiant for the truth. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus taught us that only those who are good and honest in heart are going to bear fruit unto everlasting life and be raised up with him in the end. So much more to be said on this topic. The text portion of this message will be much more in detail and be blessed. I know you'll be blessed to grow in grace to go through it, even if you go through it piecemeal, because some of these text portions are long, but they're always going to be biblical. We're always going to give you Christ-centered, scripture-rich truth to help you grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment as we close to lift up a prayer together unto our Father in heaven. Heavenly Father, please bless this life to honor you and your will first and foremost in this life that you have granted by my being authentically crucified with Christ. Lord, anoint each of us to the death and burial of the self-life that Christ alone might reign in us. Please unite our hearts to fear your holy name and to number with wisdom this short time on this earth as a gift from you. I love you, Jesus, and thank you for dying for my sins and for the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost you placed in each of your people upon saving us and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You must increase from this moment forward, Lord, and I must decrease this moment, if never before. I declare and deliberately decide to place you first 
daily in my life. I am crucified with Christ, and you're reigning in this life from now on. Early will I seek thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.